0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. It is Thursday night. I didn't scream again. I need to scream. Nah, that's fine. We'll cool do it. Yeah. Screaming. I usually like to do uh, a good, you know what I mean? Like the the oh, WWE yeah. style intro. Yeah, that's what I usually do. Anyways, um, it's Thursday night, which means I've got a fantastic guest for you. Someone who can speak to uh, my language. Um, I'm very primitive. I... Graduated from bows and arrows, but uh, this is a very primitive language, but it's uh, guns. He, he he speaks the legalese, and uh, well, we're going to have a good time tonight. Hopefully, a lot of people learn uh, a lot. Hopefully, I learned something. Hopefully, uh, everybody learns something, but um, we'll, we'll get into it here. Um, this is kind of a uh, big episode for us. Um, this is the turning of a page for me. I've done this show probably close to two years if not longer almost actually probably probably close to three years yeah um and this will be the very last episode i do live um we and when i say we i I mean i've made the decision to move forward with pre-recorded episodes which is something i said i would never do um but i'm going to proceed with doing uh pre-recorded episodes uh we're going to do some editing um, and the reason I am making this decision is I want to start doing um, more pre-filmed content. So I want to start doing interviews at gun ranges. Um, I want to start doing uh, kind of a man on the street thing where we're out talking to people. We're, we're, I want to I want to start moving away from the traditional show that we have, which is just me here talking to someone, uh, which I love. I love doing this. This is this is like the highlight of my week, right? Um, but I want to start moving into bigger and better things. I want to start interviewing people. I'm I'm not going to stop interviewing people. That's not something I'm going to take away. That's not something that's going to go away. Um, We're going to continue to do what we do. I just want to change how we do it. Um, What's what's more entertaining, interviewing someone on two separate screens or interviewing someone with a machine gun in their hand? So gotta hear me out you know so we're we're gonna we're gonna try some things and uh hopefully it goes well and uh you know i, I do appreciate the thousands of y'all that have stuck around for two years and the three of you who have been here all three years <laughs> but uh yeah it's uh it's great i appreciate it and uh we get tons of love and support all the time and we appreciate all y'all and uh yeah so anyways enough with that shit we're gonna get into the real fun um You know that, Rich. Just find us on the platforms. We're mostly on Rumble and YouTube. Find us there. LP Veterans Caucus. They do veteran stuff. Marines Eat Crayons. Insert joke here. Ban assault government Uh, t-shirt. Because there's nothing more dangerous in your life than assault government. Uh, Ban exorcism. Life begins in possession. Two versions of it. Subscribe. Hit the like button, the notification bell, all those things, it's free and it supports us tremendously. So, thank you for doing that. And let's see, what's the other one? Uh, dot podcast.com. Check the website out, I worked hard on it because I love you guys. Go check it out. I'm watching you, anyways. Redemption Tax Girl.com. Go check them out, they've got all your needs for from plate carriers to plates to storage to everything if you can think of it they make it they're uh family-owned business right here in the us of a not uh usa china but usa usa so uh check it out probably retainer.com does all of our merch and that's it nobody else what's it you've already hit the the skip skip ad button on the bottom right if you're on youtube that's fine all right we'll go to our guest we know he's the important one, anyways. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, tonight I have on a uh, very special gentleman. He is the president of uh, Maryland Shall Issue, which is a gun rights organization based out of uh, Pennsylvania. No, I'm just kidding. It's Maryland. Um, but he is a, uh, he's a phenomenal gentleman. We spoke quite a bit before we went live and I'll bring him up right Yeah, It is Mark. How are you doing, Mr. Mark? great
1: it's great to be here
0: thanks so you uh you have a quite a bit of you have got you've got a little bit of history working in the legal system right like a couple days or something like that
1: oh 48 years and counting a long time so uh just to sketch that out a little bit i mean i left law school in 1975 Went to a big firm in DC, practiced in all the appellate courts and Supreme Court, then moved to the Department of Justice, where I did Supreme Court and Court of Appeals work for 33 years. Worked a lot with Solicitor General, and left there and um, became president of Maryland Show Issue and have been litigating like crazy ever since. Um, We sue, and we sue a lot because Maryland gives us lots of reasons to sue.
0: Maryland does give lots of people lots of reasons to sue the state. Um, I'm just going to be honest about that one. Um, so you, uh, you, you've you got a lot of time doing this. Um, did you always, so so in the 70s when you graduated, graduated law school, were, were guns a thing that you were interested in then, or was that something you kind of grew into, or how did that stem about?
1: I've been into guns since I was six years old. Um, I had my first pistol when I was 13 and and basically shot the bear out uh, i grew up on lake acreage and i was always in the back 40 you know zeroing in something so it's been a passion of mine from the get-go so this is just a continuation of that passion place in the legal world so it's um yeah, i'm i'm a gunner <laughs> For sure. Are you
0: originally from uh, from uh, Maryland?
1: Oh God, no. Um, I grew up in the state of Washington, and um, oh, okay. And so I, I came to Maryland in 1975 because that's where the legal job was that I wanted.
0: Makes and
1: sense. and that was in D.C. So I mean I did a lot of work in D.C. for a long time, but main justice is right downtown D.C. So it's um, right on Pennsylvania Avenue. <laughs> halfway between the White House and, and the Congress. Yeah.
0: There's a lot on that block. Um, There's a
1: lot on that block across from that hunking building they call the FBI building.
0: What was it? The the Was it the uh, White House Museum or what was that building I got kicked out of for having a pocket knife on me? It was the White House Museum. It was yeah, like, mo- cross, like one block across. Yeah, it's like, yeah. A cro- like diagonally across from the White House. Yeah, yeah. I, We went in there to to take the kids to let them look around and apparently they needed to pee. Yeah, they needed to pee. And then they <laughs> kind of looked around. But uh yeah. apparently having a pocket knife in DC is like
1: uh totally depends good. on the size. Uh, it's, uh pocket knife laws in DC are kind of draconian. So if it's a pocket knife, even if it's a, a folding blade, uh yeah that would do it. <laughs> Please don't take that to DC.
0: <laughs> it's well, so it's not a switch blade, I guess where uh uh well
1: it's a spring assistant and that's enough.
0: Oh, okay, then yeah. So, uh, this is actually the knife I got kicked out with.
1: Yeah, um, don't take that. Oh. And in Maryland, that would get you in trouble too. Uh, that looks like a switchblade, young man. To be I, fair, I
0: got kicked out of Dollywood for the same knife. So,
1: <laughs> <I mean. laughs> hey, I've been to Dollywood.
0: <laughs> What'd you think?
1: Oh, it's great. You know, it's history.
0: Yeah, they, they always say the park's top heavy, but I don't know what they mean.
1: I mean, I like Memphis. I mean, it's uh, a great town.
0: Look, I tell people, if you want great combative training, move to Memphis. <laughs> I mean, if you want to know, if you want to learn how to dodge bullets, just, just live in Memphis for a few years. It's fine.
1: Uh, then you can graduate to DC and Baltimore. <laughs> and go <to> the
0: <laughs> so Mark and I actually did have this discussion before the show is, uh, What's more dangerous, Memphis or Baltimore? And we both agreed unanimously that Baltimore is 100% worse. Uh, Memphis is bad. We joke about how bad Memphis is, but Baltimore.
1: uh, Hey, in in Baltimore, I mean, you guys can carry uh, for self defense, and hardly anybody in in Baltimore can. So you're kind of a sitting duck in Baltimore.
0: That's true. That's true. I mean, Baltimore, you go for the crab legs, stay because you got shot. You know, that's just how it works. I mean, let's be honest. Nobody's going for the Ravens.
1: <laughs> there's a controversial topic I don't talk about. I mean, in uh, Commander's Land and Raven's Land, and the two shall never
0: meet. Yeah, it's it's all trash football. It's fine. Well, <laughs> yeah.
1: Commanders stink up the place, so there's really no choice between the two this year.
0: I mean, it's of Virginia. What do you want? Anyways... So uh, you uh, you recently, very recently, spent some time in a courtroom in uh, Maryland. Do you want to tell people uh, what was going on with that?
1: Oh, well, we got a lot of suits in Maryland right now. We have the handgun qualification license, a lawsuit that we just won in the Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit. That, that sits in Richmond, and that includes within its jurisdiction, uh, Virginia, Maryland, uh, West Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina. And the man, the handgun qualification license was this, this scheme cooked up to make sure that people can't get handguns. So you had to get four hours of training just taught by a state certified instructor. Uh, you had to get uh, fingerprinted, but only by a special live scan electronic fingerprint taker, of which are licensed by the state. So it had to be in the state. And some of those vendors are not found in rural areas. And then you had to go to the range to fire one live round. Now, I'm an instructor, and one live round doesn't teach anybody anything, right? But it does make sure that you have to find a range, which are few and far between in Maryland, and most all privately owned. So you'll not find a public range for, uh, in Maryland. So in, in the city of Baltimore, for example, there are no ranges at all, period, except for the police range. So And that's not open to the public. So you would have to move out of Baltimore to find a place that you can actually fire a live round and that made sure that nobody in Baltimore who doesn't have a car can get the uh, qualification license. So we succeeded in the Court of Appeals and uh, I'm striking that down. Now, the case isn't over, the state has moved for what's called rehearing in bank uh, for the entire court circuit. So the way the Court of Appeals works is you, you argue before a panel of three judges and and then a the losing party can always seek rehearing before the, the entire court. Uh, I think in Maryland, and the Fourth Circuit is like 14 judges. So we'll see if the court grants that.
0: And, and an en banc panel means it's all the judges, correct? Or is that the three judge panel?
1: Well, the, the panel is three judges. That's the initial in rehearing. rehearingness before the entire court, all 14 of them, however many there are. It's usually composed of the, the active judges in, in the court. So that, it's very entertaining. I've done those arguments before, and one including in the Fifth Circuit, which at the time had 25 judges. It was a great big horseshoe courtroom, and I sat in the middle and got bombarded from all sides. So it was quite an experience. But we'll see if, if that happens here. Well, they will we have a until the eighteenth on next Monday. It's coming Monday to file a response to the petition, and then the court will decide whether or not to grant it or not. And if they do, we'll probably file supplemental briefs. We'll have another argument in front of the whole whole Fourth Circuit, and from there, you know, the Supreme Court awaits. So this has been. The sensitive area stuff is being litigated everywhere. And the handgun qualification license is kind of related to that in a way. But it's a a unique Maryland requirement. No other state has such owner's requirements simply to acquire a handgun. But the acquisition of this license doesn't give you the right to buy a handgun. It it gives you the right to go and apply to buy a handgun, where they do the same background investigation all over again for each acquisition. And there are no private sales in Maryland because you have to do go through the same process for a private sale. You have to conduct that through uh, either state police or through an FFL as well. So there's no way to get around it. So the, having the license in your hand just gives you the right to apply to acquire the handgun. Then you wait seven days to, before you can pick it up. Now Getting the HQL license takes you know between 15 and 30 days. They have 30 days to give it to you or deny it. So it's it's just a, a background investigation to for as a prelude to another background investigation. So in many states, for example, if you have a carry permit, you don't have to go through the process at all. There's a provision, in federal law that allows a state to map for that option, but not Maryland. No.
0: That is the most. So I've heard a lot about Maryland uh, firearm law. I've never heard that. So I knew. Their, their process of getting a firearm was extensive. I've not actually heard the process broken down like that. So you get, so basically, if I'm, if I'm not stupid, which, um, <laughs> so you, you apply, theoretically, to get your driver's license. You pass the test. Yay, we're good. No. Now you got to get a permit to buy a car to drive the car is that is that kind of to in order to buy the car to use the license that you've just passed to get it yeah. it, it allows
1: you to apply to buy the car it doesn't actually allow you wow. to buy the car it allows you to apply to buy the car whereupon they do and another And they can still say no. Another background check and that's a registration process so that Any purchase gun, handgun purchase in Maryland is also registered at the same time of purchase. And since you can't transfer, every transfer is also accompanied by the same process. So, I mean, by that way, they create a a permanent registration for people who buy handguns. Now, under federal law, you can't buy a handgun other than your state of residence. Wait, so so
0: they, they keep an active database of handguns?
1: Oh, yeah. Active database of people who have bought handguns. It's quite extensive
0: didn't I thought in the uh, I thought in the 90s they they the Supreme Court made a ruling saying that it might have been federal they might have said it's illegal for the ETF to keep a database it but maybe not states
1: it is federal yeah okay the, that's the, what it was then. there is a uh, preemption provision that says that unless it conflicts with federal law directly and irreconcilably, the states can do this. So the states Maryland mm. does of course so I mean they haven't met a restriction they haven't liked. So, I mean, it's really kind of bizarre when you think about it. I mean, you have to jump through all these hoops and that's, that's the expression that the state used in our argument in this case, that jump through all the hoops, just get permission to apply. And apply that one live round on a range if you can find one. Um, you don't have to hit anything, you just fire it. So some of these instructors have gotten people shooting guns into barrels of sand. I mean, that's how much sense it makes. And they use 22. Yeah.
0: That sounds, that sounds like gun safety to me.
1: Yeah. I mean, it it doesn't accomplish anything.
0: No, because it, it, it does what all gun laws do is it makes, it makes it incredibly impossible for poor people to buy guns.
1: Well, it makes
0: it super easy for rich people to do it. And that's, that's, that's how the entire system is designed. Even if you look at how the uh, FFL structure is. So if you want to buy a machine gun in the United States and you're just regular Joe blow off the street and Mark will attest to this. Um, if it's made after 1986 you cannot legally buy it however if you go through the process and get your ffl so let's say you get a get a type uh type seven right so you can now manufacture produce and sell firearms uh so uh cool you got a license you can sell build and whatever but you can't build or buy machine guns so you pay the atf 500 and usot which is a uh something whatever tax whatever it's just just some bullshit for you pay now you can build buy and sell machine guns it's crazy so for for basically
1: joe uh joe republic because they can't buy anything that wasn't uh, actually it was manufactured after 1986
0: 1986. so yeah
1: and so they, that means that there's a really active market for machine guns that were built before 1986. Now, you, you got to get your, your tax stamp from the ATF before you can actually take possession of it. So it's not like it's yep. easy. It takes months. And you got to get local approval, and the ATF will check. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's a complicated process, and Maryland requires you to register it every year. But once you have that, you're basically buying a, a pre-1986 machine gun and it's gonna cost you many thousands of dollars, probably between 25 and 40,000, depending on what it is. So an a a M16 that you could buy in 86 for you know a 1,000, it probably costs you 25 grand now. That's assuming you've jumped through. If over you're here. lucky, if you can if find one, yeah. yeah. If you're lucky. <laughs> so I have a price recently.
0: But what I was saying is, is like, so with that SOT with for $500, you can build machine guns made after 1986. You, now, as Mark has said, you can't sell it to just anyone on the street. Who can you sell it to? I wonder. Well, you can sell it to the military. You can sell it to the police. You can sell it to your sheriff's department. You can sell it to any state, local, or federal law enforcement agency. You can take possession of post what we call post 86 machine guns, but you can't sell them to just anyone. Right. If you have a letter of recommendation, but yeah.
1: so you got to have a, be a type seven um, FFL manufacturer.
0: Mm-hmm. You can get right with
1: that. So a type one. And an
0: SOT. Yep.
1: So, I mean, now I know some FFLs that, you know, that are type sevens and D type tens, which are, you know, manufactured explosive devices. So, I mean, they're special people. That, um, it's not easy to become that.
0: So I used to actually have my type seven FFL, not, not a type 10. I did have a, um, so I used to work in an explosives facility for the, the army, um, here in, uh, in town. And so I had a, uh, a clearance letter from the ATF to manufacture explosives. And I had my type seven at the same time. And I was kind of petering with my, uh, with my local rep. I was like, look, if I wanted to apply for my type 10, she says, let me stop you there. She said, "I don't give a shit." I was like, "What do you mean?" I was like, "I'm, I'm, I, I do my paperwork." She said, "Don't, don't start with me today." She said, I, "I've had a long day. Don't start with me today." <laughs> so, and when she said that, because she basically taught me how to cheat my, uh, my ATF paperwork for a lot of different things, and when she was like, "Just shut the hell up," I was like, "Okay, that type in, we we're out."
1: There's a lot of discretion now. Just put it that way. And, oh, I'm sure a federal agency would never abuse her discretion. I mean, that's never happened. I, I used to represent them when I was at DOJ uh, in court, and I never knew one agency that ever abused its discretion.
0: When he looked away, I've seen all the memories come flooding back into his head. He's like, mm, girl, let me tell you
1: something. oh uh, <laughs> well, You know, I had a case in which uh, the FBI arrested an entire city block because it was convenient. Uh, You know, yeah, because. Wait, what? Yeah, they arrested a whole city block. And I I won't get into the details, but, you know, you, you can't do that. I mean, it was really clearly established you can't do that. And, of course, they got sued, and they lost. Uh, so the question was, well, can they appeal? And then one said, well, no, because you're, you're, you cross the line so thoroughly and so well-established that you can't do that. So, you know, I'm a great uh, – I have a lot of respect for law enforcement. There's a lot of good people who are in law enforcement, and there's a lot of losers in law enforcement. So, I mean, it's a luck of the draw.
0: Yeah, I equate uh, law enforcement more to McDonald's than I do Chick Fil A, <laughs> in the sense that you may go to one location and you had a great time; it was fine, they got your order right, and maybe go down two blocks and uh, there's literally nothing in your bag. Who knows? Who knows what you're going to get? Um, so, but
1: Supreme made it real clear that you know it's you can't trust that they are going to use their authority responsibly. And so the court has rejected over and over again the notion that, well, just trust us; we won't abuse this power that we are claiming what we have. And the court said, no, we don't construe the Constitution that way. So, nor do we construe statutes that way. So, if you can do it, we're going to assume that you will do it, at least in some way.
0: Yeah, they even said that the. That police officers have no have no duty to save you in an active situation so oh, if like sure. if someone's shooting at them they, they don't have the responsibility of saving you they just that's let right. you die and then take care of it because that, that's their true, job is to stop you once you committed a crime
1: that's a case called castle rock and they don't have a duty to protect uh so it's not enforceable at least in, uh in, in federal law under federal uh, case law so you know if, if they feel like it and, and maybe they're conscientious maybe they will but can't carry a cop around with you and they don't have to do <laughs> to protect you if you did so uh you're up to yourself to defend yourself
0: as it was written in the second amendment
1: yeah
0: it, you're on your own bro figure it out
1: well we got pending too. i mean that's just the HCRL. we sued maryland when they passed the the Post-Roe uh, uh, sensitive areas legislation, which try to make it illegal to carry pretty much everywhere in Maryland. Um, for example, they create a uh, statutory revision that ban, created a presumption that you can't carry onto private property. I call it the Home Depot. So if it's otherwise open to the public, uh, you can carry it in if you have a carry permit in the in the parking lot, but you can't carry it inside the Home Depot so that was the presumption unless they they posted a sign out there so it's carries permitted you know hmm. everybody understands that most retailers won't do that uh, simply because why should they so and with the absence of that sign if you go to jail if you actually took your gun inside the home depot. so that was struck down by the federal district court here in baltimore at the end of September. Um, as and that's been struck down and everywhere they've tried it that was struck down in new jersey that was struck down in new york that was struck down in hawaii uh so it you know basically the, the supreme court said in bruin that there's a general right to carry in public subject to very narrow consumptions it's, so it's, it has to be exceptional and that basically banned it completely montgomery county tried to do the same thing only worse i mean They uh, exploited what they thought was a loophole in local law that allowed them to uh, establish areas within 100 yards of sensitive places that firearms could be banned. And so they had a whole long laundry list of places, and it's publicly owned or privately owned, and they extended 100 yards beyond the parking lot or the grounds. And as a result, they had literally thousands and thousands of 100-yard areas that often interlocked and covered all the major thoroughfares, including interstate highways. So you literally could not take uh, any firearm with you uh, with a carry permit anywhere in the county, because you couldn't get into the county but get into one of those exclusionary zones. And you couldn't leave the county and you couldn't move around in the county and all the downtown areas were banned. So, I mean, that's what they wanted to do in response to the because they don't think anybody should be carrying. So, that, I mean, that's what we're dealing with here in Maryland.
0: Bruin did set a huge precedent in our lifetime, which is which is pretty amazing. Because um, as as gun owners, we're all doom and gloom, like they're coming tomorrow to get them. But Bruin was a huge win for gun owners, and most people don't know what it is. And Bruin, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, it also it basically sets the precedent, uh, the uh, what we call the judicial precedent of basically. Um, the supreme court president whatever the hell you call it um and if it hasn't been done previously in in american law like so there's no there's no precedent standing like no one's done it before it's never worked if no one's ever tried it then you can't do it like there's there's no reason to try it right because no one else has wanted to do it before it's my understanding
1: so what, what Bruin did was extremely important. One, The, the actual holding in Bruin was to strike down New York's uh, may-carry uh, system where yeah. it, you had uh, you didn't have the right to uh, a carry permit. They, they had a lot of discretion on whether or not you had a good reason to carry, get a carry permit. And, and to, much in New York, it was impossible to get a carry permit, like in lower uh, Manhattan or lower parts of New, New York. Upstate New York, actually, it was fairly easy to get a carry permit, but... Because they were issued by county sheriffs but in the lower part of um, new york it's impossible so what the court said no the, the right to carry is is an individual right and it applies to the ordinary people uh you don't have to have be a special person you don't have to have a special reason you simply have a general right to carry in public okay that's that's a huge one because there were some cases including the supreme court of maryland which had held that the, the second amendment right didn't apply outside the home at all Otherwise, words, they could ban it completely. And so Maryland uh, was also a May issue state and along with uh, six other states, uh, all of the Northeast and California and uh, Hawaii. So that was a huge precedent, but they also did something even more important and that was they did away with uh, means in scrutiny, which means that it falls within the terms of the second amendment, i.e. That it affects the right to keep and bear arms. Then you would see if there is a countervailing interest by the state, uh, a means-ins interest. So it, if the state had a good reason, i.e. public safety, uh, then the state can override the right. And they did. So it was a, it's called intermediate or means in scrutiny. And the Supreme Court did away with that. Instead, they said, no, you have to look to what the text history and tradition of the Second Amendment is in judging the constitutionality of... Of state laws, and the, the history that they looked to was the history of the founding. And The founding was of course 1791, when the Second Amendment, along with the rest of the Bill of Rights, were adopted. Okay, so if, if they didn't, if they didn't regulate it then, or if there was tradition of not regulating. Indeed, like for example, in churches there was tradition at the founding that you carried your your uh, firearm with you to church because there was fear of attack. So that was the tradition at the time. There wasn't a general ban on public assemblies. There was, Springquist said, you could ban firearms then at uh, polling places and courthouses and, and the like. So, yeah, you can have that, but they said that's an exception to the general right to carry outside the home. So all the litigation now has been trying to apply that analysis to these new state laws, including Maryland's and New York's and, and California and, and in uh, Hawaii, and New Jersey, all well, which enacted decisions designed to frustrate Buren entirely. So that's what we're doing in Maryland, and that's what other uh, lawyers are doing in, in places like uh, these, all these other states where these statutes have all been passed, all designed to frustrate the actual implementation of Bruin in those states. It's, it's quite challenging.
0: Yeah, a lot of states have had the, have have had a lot of gun legislation shot down because of Bruin. Yeah, I think it's good. Um, I fully support deregulating firearms as a whole. Um, but I know a lot of people don't agree with me on that. And that's fine. They have the right. But um, Bruin, I, like like I said like like I said earlier, Bruin was a huge win. It, it's uh, it's helped a lot of states become more free. Um, thankfully, Maryland has been one of those recipients of that. Um, California, New York, um, all the places Mark has already listed. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, I, I just don't get like, you look at states like Maryland, right? Like they, they implement these insane laws, but crime doesn't go down. Gun oh, violence. Yeah, of course. Gun so. violence. But, but they keep saying, we need to take your guns and people are like, okay. We should do that, and then you got states like Tennessee where people were basically threatening lawmakers, uh, threatening their lives, basically saying, try us, like
1: yeah, yeah. try don't, me. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so at your own risk. Uh Maryland's used to having restrictive rules, and they've they, a long time have very restrictive gun laws. So people have gotten used to it. Uh, so it's kind of a shock to the powers that be here in Maryland that, wait a minute, there, there's a constitution, there's a provision that says we can't do whatever we want. So I testify in front of the Maryland General Assembly, which is the legislature, uh, every year. And they sit between um, January and April. And each year I try to educate the Maryland General Assembly. I say, no, you can't do that. Uh, no, you can't do that. And here's why. So it's... It's a constant educational project to uh, convince uh, the people who are ardent gun grabbers that they can't grab guns. I mean, after Bruin, there's there's three issues that remain kind of in play, if you will. It's, and I call them, you know, what can they ban? Uh, assault weapons, for example. I mean, the big thing to push the, uh, the, the guns that have uh, the Senate powered rifles was um, uh, Depecheville mags. Okay. And, and the second one, who may they ban? Which is the Supreme Court decision uh, case now before the court that was argued this year uh, in Rahimi versus the United States. So that that was argued. So that's you know convicted felons and, and what kind of convicted felons? They have to be violent felons. They have to be dangerous. Can be, uh, who can you disqualify from exercising the right? Okay, so that's why. And then there's where you can uh, disqualify people from carrying. That's the sensitive areas legislation so rahimi is up on the supreme court now and it will answer probably uh the clue question and I, I predict for example from the oral argument i've watched probably in my career hundreds if not thousands of oral arguments in Supreme court um that they'll draw a line. That says yes the state can ban dangerous people people who have been found to be dangerous by a judicial uh, court or a uh, hearing in which they've had an opportunity to defend themselves to, to be actually dangerous. And, you know, Rahimi, it's kind of a bad dude, man. This, this guy's got history. So it's kind of the worst possible cir- uh, circumstances to bring up to the court. So they're used to looking past the particulars and looking at whether or not that particular statute, which is section 922 G8 of the uh, 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 Title 8T in the United States Code, that banned uh, domestic abusers who have had protective order in, uh, from possessing firearms, right? And some of those domestic abusers are dangerous and been shown to be dangerous. I've been convicted to be dangerous. I've been, I don't know. All right. Nobody wants to I'm gonna have guns. So, but it
0: also covers people who haven't been convicted of domestic abuse, too, because if you have a restraining order against you at all, you, you can't purchase a firearm. Even in Tennessee, like, it, it's, it's basically written in federal law. So...
1: Yeah, that's... It, uh, it, that's a different one, but this is a uh, GH concerns domestic abuse. Uh, so, uh, Maryland, most states have, if you get a restraining order against you, you, uh, and if it's permanent, it's not uh, ex parte. And that means um, you, know, you had a right to appear in the hearing and the like and contest it. Yeah, they'll take your guys away, absolutely. Um, and you know, that's a crime. It's uh, in, in uh, federal law. If you, uh, it's a ten-year prison sentence a big deal so it's a big felony so who can be disqualified is a major question and rahimi will probably answer that we'll get a decision from in that case probably by june maybe before since it was argued earlier in term so the court's, court's term ends in june uh, every year pretty much by the end of june sometimes it runs over into july so we'll we'll find that out now we have lots of litigation going on in the course of appeals about the to where the sensitive in various places maryland's one of them um and so for example that uh we county case uh, is up now in for the fourth circuit we've uh got a pi that was denied we've taken that to the fourth circuit uh, the, we don't have a final judgment yet in the in the state case uh, against maryland so uh, i'm sure that whoever loses that will take that up to the fourth circuit we already have a decision that was rendered by the second circuit which is new york and and in um, and, and, and northern uh, states, so those um, that was in uh, and that's um, a big decision. The, it was a case was argued on the New Jersey uh, and Prosper and sensitive places uh, legislation in a case called Coons, and that will be decided probably soon. So there is case the California has uh, enacted such a statute as SB two. And that's been challenged. Uh, the Hawaii case where they acted similar and where it was overturned. Uh, by my good friend Alan Beck, actually the lawyer on that, and he's he's already up in the Ninth Circuit on that from the state's appeal of a of a permanent injunction. So we're going to get a circuit conflict probably soon. Bless you. And that will be up in Springport too. So it's. Uh, it's
0: pretty active litigation right now.
1: I mean, I don't think I work this hard at the Department of Justice.
0: <laughs> yeah, like I was saying, like um, earlier, is gun legislation is always being fought. Like, there's there's tons of battles going on all across the country. And we're winning more than we're losing in, in a lot of opinions. Um, I think, in my opinion, it, we win more than we lose, but it's not enough. Um, it, it's so not
1: enough because there was a lot of hostility still in the, in the courts, in some courts, to the yeah. exercise of the right. So, the reason that the Supreme Court slapped down um, means in scrutiny is because they were using it, the courts were misusing it, that test to basically uh, impose a rational basis examination on gun laws. So, if the state had a good reason, that was good enough and it basically disenfranchised people for the enjoyment of the ride so the only place you could buy was for the home except that in state legislatures you know 26 states are now uh constitutional carry states you know tennessee's one of them um yeah well, of course maryland's not and so it's uh you have country pretty well split evenly on that and so the litigation is all over, going Take place in those states which are, you know, confiscatory or, and very hostile to the right, and the courts in those states were pretty hostile. So
0: we'll, yeah, California. I know they have a uh, they have a single judge at their uh, federal court level who has been championing championing in right. uh, gun laws. I can't remember his name. Um, it is Judge Benitez, Southern District of California. Yes, Benitez. That dude, that dude has been basically. Like, Look, yeah, if him. it is outside of the Second Amendment, I don't care. Like if it's if it's.
1: Oh, dude, he's, he's been absolutely brilliant. Uh, you know, but you know, he has to go. He had him on deck. He's a great judge. He's a great he's judge, fantastic. but he has his. Those appeals from his judgments go to the Ninth Circuit, and the Ninth Circuit is, <laughs> is historically. Uh, extremely hostile to the Second Amendment. And for example, every single case prior to Bruin where a panel had ruled for the plaintiff, a Second Amendment plaintiff, the Ninth Circuit uh, went in bank and reversed it. Every single time. It was yeah. 50-0 or more. So you couldn't win in the Ninth Circuit if you're a plaintiff because even if you won before a panel of three judges, you would lose in back. So that's how hostile the Ninth Circuit has been. It was remarkable. So it we'll, we may be seen uh, if they're going to continue to do that. Normally, it's considered bad form for the courts of appeals, which are inferior courts to the Supreme Court, to, uh, to diss the Supreme Court and say, I don't care what you rule, we're going to do whatever we want. You're not supposed to do that. I mean, that's not, not good judging. So maybe they'll be inhibited.
0: Uh, so, correct me if I'm wrong, um, but I've heard that if the Supreme Court sends a case back to you, basically telling you to do your job, uh, that's kind of a that's kind of the powers from on high saying, "Do it, or we're going to do it for you, and you won't like it." Well,
1: it kind of depends what they do. So after <laughs> Bruin was decided, they. Did what's called a the GBR. They, they granted a bunch of petitions, that's the G. They vacated the lower court decisions and thereby depriving them of presidential effect and remanded them to say, go back and look at this case again in light of Broome. Okay, so that's the, the GBR in light of Broome. And a bunch of cases did that. In the fourth circuit, they did that. In the third circuit, they did it. In the ninth circuit, they did it. So those were all pending. Uh, we have one in Maryland. It's called uh, Bianchi uh, versus Moore. Moore is our governor, and that was the assault weapons ban. And in, in Fourth Circuit had previously held that old, uh, assault weapons—you know, those uh, scary black guns—are um, actually weapons of war and are not covered by the Second Amendment at all. And if they were, then under—even if they, were assuming they were—they would be uh, still banned state could still ban under intermediate scrutiny, means in scrutiny, which was Bruin uh, basically abolished. So we took a test case up to the Fourth Circuit. They followed their case, that case, uh, then went in bank on that. That's the Kobe decision. Took an appeal to on a cert petition to Supreme Court, which is expensive. I mean, just the printing is expensive. And the court GBR'd it. So it sent it back down to the Fourth Circuit. And where it was rebriefed was uh, after Bruin, re-argued to a three-judge panel. And that was in December 6, 2022. It's been pending after argument ever since that time. So when you think about it, they're sitting there trying to figure out how to apply Bruin to a Maryland's assault weapons ban. So... That's just the ban on assault weapons, not a ban on magazines, by the way. So it's just that. So it's it's uh, it will be it was an interesting oral argument for the panel, and and the question then be is uh, when they decide are they going to go in bank again, and if so, uh, will the Supreme Court you know step in again? So we had the same kind of thing going on in California in the Duncan case, uh, and same kind of uh, and the New Jersey case as well, New Jersey Rifle Pistol Association case. So think all those cases got GBR'd. And there was the First Circuit got GBR'd as well. So those cases haven't played out yet. So we don't have decisions in those cases. So those could be answering the what uh, question.
0: So when California's magazine ban law because I thought that it had already gone to the uh, Supreme Court or the federal court and it had been upheld as in like it's a unconstitutional because I thought that was the last thing that we had talked about as a big gun so, win in California
1: so the uh, uh, judgment is uh, did strike it down uh the mm-hmm. state is ruling and uh, and the Ninth Circuit's state is ruling so right now that's on appeal it's called the, the, the I think that's okay. the Duncan versus Bonta case so that's in the Ninth Circuit right now um, whether or not uh, that would be sustained so I'm not a betting man, but so it's gonna be interesting to see what uh, the Ninth Circuit does there. But the, you know, the, what the Supreme Court has now demonstrated with the CERT grant in Bruin and the decision and the cert grant in Rohimi, uh, is that the court's gonna get more active than it was. And, you know, there was ten years or, or more. I mean it was more than 10 years. Then Court, Heller was decided by the Supreme Court in 2008. McDonald applying Heller to the states was decided in 2010. And basically, we had no decisions on the merits of a Second Amendment issue until Bruin was Bruin. decided in 2022. So that's 12 years, hiatus. It wasn't for lack of asking, that's for sure. I mean, there were certain petitions <laughs> uh, including some of mine. But it's... Um, now the court has granted cert in Bruin and in Rahimi, and will probably be granting cert in these other cases as well. So the courts of appeals at least now know they're not going to get away with murder, and if they care. I mean, there are some judges who don't care, and so we'll see what happens. A, yeah,
0: that is true. The the Supreme Court has taken a lot more cases recently than they have before, and people scream, you know, it's Republicans if they they've put stacked the court or whatever. But no, I mean, you see Democrat-appointed Supreme Court justices siding with the Second Amendment basically saying, if you look at it the way it was written, none of these laws matter. Um, I mean, the the Second Amendment says, uh, you know, the one, so I'll I'll put it this way. The the one thing a lot of people point to in the Second Amendment says, this is why gun laws matter, is well-regulated. But if you look at the historical context of well-regulated, it doesn't mean, to have restraint, it means basically getting training, having ammunition, having ammunition to train with, um, having discipline. All of these things. Basically, you were you were actively not in a military, but you were participating like you were a military. You were training and actively, you know, learning how to kill either things or people or whatever. And that's what well-regulated meant at, in the seventeen hundreds. And and people forget that definition. You when you when you literally Google that definition, you can find the legal definitions in that time period of what well-regulated meant. And people just think people just think that well-regulated meant, means or has meant to to regulate and to prevent these things from going on. And that's not true. And the Supreme Court has finally started looking at it in that same same context yep. of. You know, that well, regularly means that people need to train on it if they want to be safe.
1: That got settled in Heller, where the Supreme Court said the Second Amendment says a well legged militia uh, being essential to the safety of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So at the time of the founding in 1791, uh, every able bodied man between 18 and I think 45 under federal law uh, enacted in 1792 uh was obligated to, um, to muster and to be part of the militia and at the militia they were required to bring the arms they already had to when they mustered for training or otherwise so that means state laws are very similar in that required but the court held that the right isn't simply the right to be part of a militia it's, a, it's an individual right from which the militia was drawn as a pre-existing constitutional right to keep and bear arms because that existed apart from militia. In fact, it, if people who are not part of the militia, who are younger than 18 or older than 45s or were women, uh, still had the right, uh, pre-existing right, to keep and bear arms uh, before the Second Amendment was adopted. So it was simply a recognition that you can't have a well-regulated militia, I trained militia, if you didn't have people who exercised an individual right to keep arms and purchase arms before they were mustered. So otherwise you can't have militia because they don't have any arms to bring to muster. And that's that was the court's analysis in Heller. And the court has held on to that analysis ever since. So and that was the big revolutionary change because prior to that time, people had assumed that there was simply the right to join militia, which of course we don't really have anymore unless you consider the National Guard militia. So it's, um, it's, it's a big change in jurisprudence that Heller brought, And that was a five, four decision. So, I mean, it was a, it was a tough decision. And that was by one of the, the best legal minds in, in a century, J- uh, Justice Scalia, who writing. And I've always admired greatly. I mean, he's a brilliant, brilliant justice. And it was a huge loss when he died.
0: So I will say that the U.S. government is fantastic at killing people. <laughs> um, and when, when they recognize the fact that pre-training people before you have to train them on discipline is critical. So there are leaks right now that we're trying to still verify and, and check on. But basically, the DOD, the FBI, and a couple other agencies are using video games to determine a person's state of mind. They're trying to ascertain um a person's preemptiveness to violence based on how they treat non-playable characters in the game the the allegation that started this was that um the air force who runs the largest drone force out of all the branches is recruiting people who have a high experience with playing video games because they already know how to use the controls. They already know how to use the interface. All of it makes sense to them. They're, they're ambidextrous with with controls. So the fact that basically you're saying Bruin, or not not Bruin, but- um, Hello. Heller. Heller. Uh, yeah, Heller uh, says, you need pre-training before you train to defend your nation and then the, the government's literally doing that as we speak is prime example as to why the second amendment cannot be infringed upon because if you want a safe national defense a strong national defense that doesn't require us building a thousand bases everywhere you want people trained on firearms
1: hey you know i'm good because for all of duty i think i'm ready <laughs> But it's on a keyboard, so I, I would suck at a talkboy, you know.
0: <laughs> Look, I've I've played Call of Duty since the first one came out and I still suck, so it <laughs> is
1: what it is. <laughs> well, it depends on what level you play at.
0: <laughs> oh. Mark, it's a, it's been a good time. Um whatever you're out my way again, uh hit us up. I'd love to take you to the range. We'll we'll pay for the ammo and the guns, all that whatever uh, i got an mp40 that you would love
1: hey i love right. the mp40 that's a nice gun that's a real yeah, we'll, nice gun
0: we'll, we'll hook yeah. you up um yeah so when you, next time you come all right just uh just hit me up or hit suzy up or uh we'll, we'll, we'll get you squared away
1: well you know i have a family out in memphis uh i, I get down to tennessee so i'll i'll, I'll do that i mean uh, I I was asked in a deposition once when the state was taking my deposition because the Maryland show issue was a party and I represented Maryland Show issue as a designated deponent. The uh, the lawyers on the other side from the state attorneys general's office. Mark he says, How many guns do you have? And I said, I don't know, I haven't counted them. He says, More than 10? <laughs> I said, oh, Yeah. Well, how many do you have? And I said, Well, I have, you know, not as many as I want, but more than I need. So I mean I, I Buy them all the time, not because uh, I necessarily need them, but because I want them. And that's kind of the constitutional right that you have.
0: See, that's funny you mentioned that. Uh, so I'm going through a, a custody battle for my sons, and uh, in deposition, they asked me, So, how many guns did you have before the, uh, the separation? How many guns do you have now? And I said, Well, before the separation, I don't know. Uh, now, I don't know. And he was like, well, can you give me an estimate? I was like, yes. Uh, less than 100 before and uh, less than 100 now. <laughs> and he's like, can I get a refined list? And I was like, sure.
1: <laughs> Why does he want such a list?
0: I, I don't know. But uh, I told my attorney, I said, if he wants to know the value of my collection, uh, it's 35 $35. Um, he has no right to to force me to tell him what guns I own. Uh, by the way, there's a massive lake next door, so uh, boating accidents <sighs> all the time. Yeah, and your attorney was like, that's nothing. Like, yeah, he's yeah. like, <clears throat> <throat> like big fuck off. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Like, dep- deposition was like, he was like, how many guns do you have? I'm like, mm, I don't know. Why, are you a well, fed? Who keeps
1: telling, right? I mean, <laughs> Why would you keep count? You don't need a count.
0: Bought six last night. What do you mean?
1: <laughs> so in Maryland, Why? you can only buy one handgun every month. So unless you are a designated collector, you have a special category.
0: Um, I have a feeling we just need to like assemble the troops, build the battalion, and just go get Mark. He'll he'll that? be our legal representation while I take over all of North America. The um, tyrant. I'm a tyrant in the fact that, like, I take over everything, but people can do what they want. Okay. I'm diligently taking over to give you your
1: freedom. But, like, I'm gonna, you know, say for the record that I know you're kidding, so this is not a a legal threat to uh, for violence. (laughs)
0: Jokes.
1: (laughs) I don't want this video to be used against you.
0: Look, everything gets used against me, so it's it's fine. It's fine. But uh, so, Mark, um, if people want to support what you're doing in Maryland with uh, MSI or Maryland Shall Issue, where can they find you? We
1: have a website, like everybody has a website, right? But it's uh, all one word: Maryland Issue. org, and it's uh, it has all of our legal papers in there on the various cases that we're litigating. It has a, a table that tracks the legislation every year that the Maryland General Assembly does. There's a wealth of information on that website, but it has a big red button at the top says "Join," and it takes 25 bucks to join per year. I Means like a box of nines, right? So, with that, you have access to uh, one of the best ranges in, and uh, not just Maryland but in the Eastern Seaboard, uh, and uh, uh, that's worth the money itself because that allows you to get a range badge and it's a tremendous range it's got you know uh, trap it's got 200 yard range 100 yard range pistol ranges it's, just, it's outstanding so that, and possibly you get representation and you're part of MSI when we sue and we sue on behalf of our members so the members are actually parties in that sense so the relief we get for MSI flows to our members. And that matters as a, a matter of law. So people actually, as members, get the benefit of litigation directly. Uh, we also set precedent that way. But so lawsuits aren't cheap. Now, I work for free. Um, but the costs associated with that, I'll give you an example. We filed a petition for certain, and printing costs for that were $17,000. Uh, in the HQL litigation, we had uh, two experts, um, and each of those experts their expert fees were $30,000 so that gives you time yeah yeah that's and then we had depositions in the transcript costs are. yeah that's uh there's our membership right there and there's the big red button so it's uh it's expensive but in Maryland the only leverage we have with the General Assembly and others is the uh the courts And so when I tell the general assembly, if you do X, we'll sue, they know for sure that I'm not just blowing smoke. Uh, I, I will sue and we have, and they know it. So that makes them a little extra, more careful and makes them think twice. I like to think it makes them think twice. Uh, maybe not. Um, but it's, I don't think we have in the general assembly people who are intentionally trying to, um, spike the constitution. Uh, So if you tell them, here's the case law, here's the statutory framework, here's uh, what other courts have done, and golly, do you really want to do that, Um, everything. For for example, there was a bill last year that would have banned the mere possession of a long gun by a person under the age of 21. I mean, we're talking about shotguns and bolt-action rifles and i said well you know maybe you want to look at this decision by the fourth circuit in the hirschfeld litigation and when they said that was unconstitutional ban the sale of a handgun Uh, and by extension a for sure as the lawyers like to say you can't ban the possession of a long gun which is even less uh, regulated than handguns and that that bill died so that's how we leverage our membership into representing them in front of the general assembly And then of course when it comes to suits, uh, we're on the show issues of barbecue, and that means our members are parties.
0: Well, for less than a box of Russian made 45 auto, you can support MSI. Just like MSI, you can be fronted or presidented by a silver bear. Just like Mark. Oh my God. Oh, I tried. I tried to spell it uh, the best way I could.
1: It is silver. That's certainly true. <laughs> Some would call it very gray. <laughs> so I had to dye it that way, you know. So it's uh, normally it's brown, but you know it's it's so I had to dye it gray. You'll buy that, right?
0: There you go. Hey, right. <laughs> it, it's, it's it all works. But, uh, yeah, so people should totally go over there and donate. Um, I'm going to sign up after this episode just because, uh, when I see a state need and there's guns to fill, God, I got to help somebody out. But well, what
1: our members do do is they send us emails and it's on info at org, and they that it, that goes to me and they ask legal questions. And if they're not you know, like in middle, you know, Criminal proceeding, I can usually help them out with with their questions. So, Maryland laws are extraordinarily complex, so people don't understand them. So, Maryland Show is just kind of a resource for understanding the complexities of Maryland law. And we could answer questions, and and we'd like to help people not get arrested. Uh,
0: So, so if I email you and ask what happens if I punch my local uh, legislator, what
1: the what's the response? Well, it's going to be a legalistic response. It's going to be a very complex question, which we're going to say, don't do that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just don't. don't do, just that. Don't, do that. <laughs> don't do that. Free legal advice. Free legal advice. Don't punch a law. Don't punch your local lawmaker. Don't kill me in
1: reality. In fact, in Maryland, that's the second degree assault, uh, and that's a ten year sentence.
0: <laughs>
1: lifetime, just go off fire.
0: Look, I've been to Maryland. The food's good. Salt, I ain't worried about it.
1: So, I mean, (laughs) just uh, for example, that uh, rifle in the background for you, you don't transport that in Maryland. Not even on the way to somewhere else.
0: I actually have to make a trip up to Northern Virginia very soon. And uh, look... I'm just I'm I'm just glad that like Virginia is like a, a I don't even know what to call it. It's not a melting pot. It's it's just chaos.
1: They call it a commonwealth. That's it, a first time. It, it's right a
0: commonwealth. Mind. Yeah. <laughs> um. They they don't know what they want to do with their gun laws. So I'm just really glad for that. So no, uh, I'm just going to whatever,
1: the whatever cusp I want. To. Of, uh, they nearly passed it. a weapons ban the last
0: time. They really did. They were so almost close. Yeah,
1: very close. So don't think Virginia is safe. It's not. I mean.
0: But it's so chaotic because it swings left to right, left to right, every election cycle. And I'm not joking. It's every fucking election cycle. They're they're psychotic. They're like Yeah. Cause I mean, so they passed recreational marijuana, and then the new government comes in and is like, eh, stop. And then they'll they'll pass some pro gun thing. Next year I'm gonna come in be a Democrat. Eh, stop. So it's just it's just this. Which well, is here's weird. the thing.
1: It's it's easy to pass, but it's very hard to repeal. So it's a ratchet system. So what you want to avoid is that ratchet because once it gets established into law, it's just harder in hell to uh, get a repeal. And then they'll layer on, and this happens in Maryland a lot, then they'll layer on another one. Oh, this has left in a loophole. we got to fill the loophole so I mean, you can't um have a, a ghost gun in maryland also known as a privately made firearm
0: look i think ghosts have the right to carry guns if if you're if you're so bigoted that ghosts can't defend themselves i don't want to tell you uh ghosts have a right to bear arms too uh mm-hmm. there were people once and i think they have a right to guns
1: well you know those ghosts need self protection
0: <laughs> They gotta protect themselves from demons. I mean, that's all I gotta say. Well, the,
1: the demons are a problem.
0: <laughs> Mark, I appreciate you coming on tonight, man. Um, we'll we'll set a rescue party very soon, and uh, we'll get you out of there. But uh, any, any final words before uh, before we turn you loose?
1: Well, I think everybody needs to be paying very close attention to what's happening in their states and in the federal level because just because bruin came down the way it did doesn't mean you're safe be active get involved if you, you got a legislator get to know them tell them how you feel it's harder in dickens to get people to do that but it's absolutely essential if you want to protect your governments. and litigators can only do so much because you gotta you gotta win in, in the legislature don't take yep. it. For
0: granted. I
1: mean, maybe you can in Tennessee, good. but you know, <laughs> in an awful lot of states you can't. So just look what's happened in Oregon. Yeah. In Washington. Yeah, and New Mexico, of all places.
0: We ain't got talk. We ain't got look. We ain't got enough time in the day to talk about that. <laughs>
1: there you go. So, don't take it for granted. It's tough out there.
0: Mark, we appreciate you. You have a great night, my man.
1: You too. Great fun to be here.
0: So, I think we found a, a guest we're going have, gonna to have to have back on next year. That was fantastic. He's brilliant. He's brilliant. See, I, I start talking to legislation with a lot of people, and their eyes glows, glaze over like, oh, God. He's in it. He's but, literally Mark, it. like, he's the guy, like, we can bring him on as, like, just – just talking about legislation, he makes it interesting. You know what I mean? Like and he he makes it he makes it realistic for people. It's the knowledge base too. He knew immediately you were talking about in California. He's I think that he has. He has the, I have no idea what the hell I'm talking about, and he's like, yeah, it's just this business, whatever. About, but like he's doing this in Maryland, but the precedent it sets for other states, like, to have the quality behind these battles is just. He's outstanding. Well it's like it's like our ballot access lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Every 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 state in our district will be affected by this decision. Correct. Yep. When 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 we win, this will help states like New York who are who are struggling. It's a point of reference. Ruled un- unconstitutional by this state, that state, and they have all these cases under them to show it. Yeah, and as it moves further up in the court system, it, it becomes obvious it's like, look, it's just stupid. He's a boss hog. <laughs> yeah, D- Dickie's been going... you a boss hog, Dickie? Oh, are you seen this hog? No, I have not. Oh. I just was, I was assumed. He, I, what? He, he's into Hispanics. He, he, I'm not Hispanic! Yeah, you look it, though. <laughs> Anyways, uh, if you would like to support the fight, go to uh, marylandshallissue.org. I hope we had it on the screen for a second there. I suck, but uh go check them out. Go donate. I'm going to go donate. I'm going to sign up because not only do they cover Maryland gun legislation, uh, they also cover national federal whatever they gun legislation. Ticker. Yeah, they have a link to a what? A, like a ticker. Like Can't a, say that on TV anymore. It's a it's that a that link to current active legislation battles across the nation. And there's a lot of them. There are a lot. There's, there's a lot. P- people don't realize how many fights are being fought by people like Mark, like the, um... Not the NRA, because they can go fuck themselves. Uh, they, they don't do shit. Um... There's there's tons of gun owner, gun owner associations across the nation who are just fighting these fights every single day, trying to make sure that people have the right to just own anything anymore. Because if we just turned it loose, we wouldn't have shit. We we'd be lucky to buy ammo anymore. So GOA is a big one on that. GOA, yep. Gun Owners of America. Yep. Um God, there's so many. I, I'm struggling to think of them right now. It's just it's like when the cameras in your if in your nose hole, you can't think. Anyways, um, go check them out. Go donate. Uh, show them some love. Support them. Um, I know I know I know Christmas coming around the corner, right? Like, it, it's rough, but come back in like two months. Replay this. You're like, you know what? I got twenty five bucks. That tax return coming. Don't act like the tax return coming. They're giving you back what they stole. <laughs> like, you've been robbed, and so he's like, look, like we stole your stuff, but um, you wore us off, so uh, we're going to give you this back. Just a little bit. Part of it. Uh, so, uh, crack ain't cheap.
1: <laughs> Gotta support got
0: to support Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, this will be the final episode of the year. We're not going to do anything for Christmas because I have a life. Susie has a life. And uh, just because you don't have a life doesn't mean I have to be here. So we love you. Um, we are super excited about next year. We're going to try and have tons of content lined up for y'all. Um, like I said, this will be the, the final format, the final planned episode of being live. We won't. It doesn't mean we won't do lives ever again. It just means that we're not going to do a regularly scheduled live episode every week. It's going to be pre-recorded. We're going to edit. We're going to we're going to make it look real pretty for you. It's going to look good.
1: I made a whole fifteen-second outro today.
0: It's going to be great. So I'm going to make a new outro this week. And if um, <laughs> I doubt it, Susie. Anyways, um, just be but- nice. There's a start. (laughs) Ladies, gentlemen, potato farmers, and my ill-forgotten moonshiners, y'all have a fantastic night. Have a merry Christmas, and we will catch you, motherfuckers, next year.